Welcome to the Project Fitness Podcast for fitness professionals and fitness enthusiasts who want to be better at life. Fitness is the greatest investment of anyone's life. However, it's not easily obtained, and anyone who says different is just plain wrong. Join award-winning personal trainer and strength conditioning coach Chris Fudge every Monday as he explores all aspects of fitness that can lead you to your optimal health. If you want to learn useful, practical how-tos of weight loss, exercise science, nutrition, or just how to optimize your time in the gym and life, this show is for you. Welcome to another episode of the Project Fitness Podcast, where today I'm coming from the closet. Today I'm in the closet because I'm doing this episode with my kids downstairs. So my kids are downstairs and they think that daddy's out getting groceries, hence the topic of nutrition today. I'm sitting down with three phenomenal experts in the field of nutritional education and coaching. So first off, we have all the way from Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, Dr. Mark Morris. Mark works at PolyHealth, and he has worked over a decade of online coaching for clients. Runs an online nutritional coaching course, has a PhD in human nutrition, specializes in flexible dieting and weight class sports, such as powerlifting. We also have Harry Gooman. Harry is a nutrition coach and founder and clinic director of Personalized Health Center, located here in Ottawa, Ontario. He's the host of the PHC podcast. He's a health practitioner and is passionate about making people better. Harry's worked with over 4,000 clients. That is a massive database. In a video game, you're like gold level. You've got the high points. (laughs) And our, our third guest today comes all the way from Ireland, a second appearance here on the Project Fitness Podcast, Owen Lacey. Owen is a performance consultant and founder and director of the Irish Strength Institute over in Ireland. Owen's diverse education ranges from strength conditioning, ART, fascial stretch therapy, functional medicine, sports nutrition, nutritional medicine. Owen is a constant resource in the professional athlete world as well as fitness professionals traveling the globe back in the day, teaching and presenting. So these are the three experts we have here and today we're going to be talking all about nutrition and I feel like I'm at the buffet, you know, the all you can eat buffet and I haven't eaten in 24 hours and it's go time. That's kind of how excited I am right now for having you three on here. But if you guys don't mind, just quickly, just jump in and give a quick little intro of yourself of anything that I've missed. So can we start uh, with you, Mark? Why don't you go ahead? Yeah, no, thanks for uh, having me on. I'm really excited to chat as well. Yeah. As uh as you mentioned, uh, uh, my name is Mark, Dr. Mark, whatever you want to call me. I have a PhD in human nutrition. I really pride myself on living in that area between what does the evidence say about this, the science of nutrition, as well as having a results focused approach. And I know uh, in terms of my own background, I've like bodybuilding, powerlifting, all that stuff. I remember my first bodybuilding show. I saw someone eating a raw potato in the back pump up room and thinking like, what, like, what is, what's going on here? Like, like what is, you know, <laughs> results focused people that will do whatever it takes to get a certain result, sometimes in spite of what they're doing. Whereas coming from the evidence-based community, we're so focused on being right, like quote unquote, right. That sometimes we don't give anyone the tools and strategies they need to get anywhere in terms of improving themselves. So I like to live in this, this gray area. So I don't know, that's a little bit more about me. My recent focus has come, went from working with clients one-on-one to coaching other coaches, which has been really, really fun for impact and stuff. And I'm just happy to share what I've learned along the way today. Awesome. It's a pleasure to have you, my friend. And uh, Harry, quick, quick intro of you. For me, my passion has always been working with people and helping them apply all of the theory that's out there. So, you know, there's lots of 
different types of nutritional strategies and working with people and applying it, following them through, asking them questions, helping them understand how their body needs to work, not just looking at a piece of paper and saying, here's the theory, well, this is what's got to work for my life. And so where I've really started to dive deeper in with clients is just really understanding what works best for them, building a PubMed journal on them and their health so that way they can navigate their own health and become the nutritionist of the future on their own body so that's kind of where i really like to focus on with clients is you know let's worry about theory but let's worry about you awesome i love that and that's why you're here owen my major focus when i started off was was gym memberships the likes of like good good life the equivalent of good life over here and i felt the approach is very blanket so then we went off and opened our own facilities but for me and again i'm, I'm very science and evidence based it's all about the client it's all about where they currently are it's all about what they can currently do it's about the program that suits them we can all talk about the macronutrient breakdown of any food but is it attainable for your client is it maintainable does it fit their disposable money does it fit in their their routine or schedule if it's night shift so my information i try to keep it you know sesame street simple simple to understand simple to follow but effective for the client and what happens what might be one recommendation for the drop for us five or six kilos may not necessarily be what's going to drop the next five or six kilos so i'm all about adapting the roadmap sitting down with your clients listening to them too many coaches and trainers are pushing programs onto clients where they should just stop listen to where the client is and support them to where they need to go to i love this there's a lot of similarities between the three of you what i'm hearing is passion for people passion for people and i've worked with all three of you individually in different areas that you may not know so mark cutting the weight diet your book that you wrote there we use that uh, for my wife maggie one year and then i use the principles with other clients cutting weight harry you see a handful of my clients for nutrition anyway um, so that's where our connection is and owen you made sure that when maggie had the c-sections we gave her the right uh, multivitamins the right nutrition afterwards so she wouldn't be crazy and cutting my head off during breastfeeding so more, more uh, crazy Mo, mo crazy yeah so i've worked with you all individually at different levels and that's why we're on here today because in my mind you three are passionate about nutrition and people so let's start off with some questions that came from the internet so question number one for owen if someone wants to lose fat or build muscle what's the first thing they should consider when choosing a nutrition plan or looking at their own nutrition the first thing I would normally do is to see if there's anything going on in their current life that is sabotaging the results. A lot of times that could be sleep for a lot of the clients I deal with. It could be excessive drinking, excessive alcohol. So that's the first thing I do. I try to take away something that's going to you know, cause a roadblock. And then I plan out a whole week of breakfast, lunch, and dinner to give them a, a structure, an ideal week of what they should be aiming for. And then as we move along that, we have regular roadblocks where we stop, our uh, roadside stops, where we look at the review look at the progress and build on that rather than bombarding a client with multiple things to start off in the first week so fix something that's causing a problem put a structure or foundations or the template in place and then bring them along with regular stops regular reviews to see what's working and what needs to be changed awesome love that harry how would you handle that I think I think I would I'm in agreement with Owen on that one that you first got to find out what the starting point is of the client itself. So I like to do a 17 page assessment background form on a client. So I have a, a view and an impression of what the starting point is of how their body is working. Then I like to see a five day food log of what they're eating. So I actually understand what's going on in their day. Then from there, we pick out three to five changes of what they're able to execute at over 90% because that's 
going to be the change that generally gives us the bigger bang for the buck to move forward in the next week or two. Then every you know seven to 14 days, we make another change because we want to build the habit towards the goal because we want to retain and maintain the result and the information. So I'm a big fan of where do you need to start? Let's build up. Let's not do any knee-jerk kind of programming. Let's just really focus on principles and foundation to get you to the next phase. So I'm uh, really about where are you? Very progressive. I like that. Mark, what would you do? Yeah, it's funny that I actually, I, I pride myself on being like a bang for your buck practitioner and trying to give people only what they need and nothing they don't to build some momentum and start off. But when I'm hearing you guys say this, I'm like, oh man, that might be simpler than me. I do at the beginning of a, a process working with someone, I throw them into the fire a little bit. Like let's get in terms of days of tracking and get an objective look at what you're currently doing. But what I think people go wrong is that they think, I'm starting to work with a nutrition coach. I'm starting to focus on my nutrition. I got to get all new groceries. I need to start completely over. When in reality, we're using tracking um, or a particular look at our food um, as you know, just like giving us an objective look. It doesn't need to be perfect. We're just going to see some trends that, hey, like, listen, you're under eating on some days and we've got to increase your protein. Like it doesn't need to be perfect. It just needs to be, you just need to have the context for what you need to do. And that's where with, you know, Harry saying like, we got to, we got to attack that low hanging fruit. Like what needs to change quickly for us to get where we're going. So I like to like give people like a, like I, I would probably press them a little bit more, but at the same time, most of the clients coming to me have a specific result in mind, right? It's a little bit less lifestyle driven. So it's like they want results and they want them fast because that's where they're at. So um, I kind of throw them in the fire a little bit more in terms of let's get you tracking right away, but it doesn't need to be perfect. It doesn't need to be this is just the tool we use to get where we're going. It, it, it's, you're going to get better as you go. And that actually, as if we're talking on the, the practitioner side, you're going to see people underreporting. You're going to see some things that are wacky and that's okay. Just because it's an awareness tool at the end of the day, it, it provides us with some structure, but it doesn't need to be perfect. Very interesting. Three different professionals, three similar but different approaches when it comes to nutrition. When any of us walk into a store, we're going to buy food. We look up on the menu at McDonald's. It says the average person should have 2,000 calories a day. When you pick something up at the grocery store and you look at it based on a 2,000 calorie a day diet, does everybody need 2,000 calories a day? Or how would you assume or address how many calories does somebody need to start off with a diet plan? Harry, do you want to tackle this one? So you, the question is, you're saying what should be the starting point of calories for a client? Yeah, like how would you decide how many calories does someone need? Because McDonald's tells me I need 2,000. You know, I, wonder, I, think, I wonder what Harry says. So, you know, for me, I always go based on context first being, okay, where if the person doesn't even know what they're eating in a day, I'm going to say, do we really need to start with calories? Right? So I'll always go big bang for the buck and saying, okay, well, you don't even eat three servings of protein, five cups of vegetables, two servings of fruit. How about we start there first? Because that's going to give us a bigger bang for the buck in changing your nutrition instead of saying, hey, I ate 2000 calories per day. Right? So I like that approach better because I break things down in nutrition by chapters. Here's chapter one, chapter two, chapter three. Where are you when I walk through the door? Let's really push that. Now, in terms of calories per day, I don't think it's safe to make generic statements because you know I'm pretty anti that based on my company's name, Personalized Health Nutrition. It's basically, I like to say, okay, what are you doing in a day? What's your starting point? What's your activity level? How's your sleep? What Because you have someone eating 2000 calories a day, but they're a construction worker. Plus they do triathlete training on the side. That's probably not going to be a good combination, 
right? So I think context is very important for us to understand where programming starts because all this generic nonsense doesn't work long term because at some point we have to really understand the individual. So can I say that one person needs 2,000 calories? No, I think we again have to find out what's the assessment, what's the goal, what's the starting point, what are you eating? Because I have clients that walk through my door that are eating 500 calories a day saying that's what's going to help them lose weight, but they're not losing weight anymore. So I think it's context first, then we start to look at what are you eating, then we decide what's the activity level, then we have to understand what phase are you in in your program, what's the goal, is it performance, body comp, do we have to fix something, then we understand what's the caloric state of the client. Very detailed. Owen, if someone comes to you and says, how many calories do I need in a day, you know, how would you address that? Okay, I'm going to try and keep this as short as I can because I, I, I'm going to go off on one here. Um, so I don't, I, I don't, I'm not a big fan of ramming calories down people's throats straight off the bat. If you come into me and you don't have any clue what calories you're consuming, I'm never going to come at you with a recommendation. I, I was lucky enough to have um, Lane Norton in, in the gym a few years ago, and we sat down and we had a, a heated debate. He's a very educated guy. And I said, when you're talking about if it fits your macros and these calories, it all depends. It depends on the person, depends on their occupation, depends on their digestion, depends on how well they digest protein. Uh, it depends on how insulin sensitive they are. It depends on the time with nutrition, whether it's liquid nutrition, if it's solid nutrition. If it's, I have clients that come to me that are eating 1800 calories, but it's all at one big meal right before they go to bed. So they're in their calorie requirement, but it's because they, they're starving, they've been on the go all day, they overeat and then they go to bed. So for me, it, it's, it's very specific to the individual, but I think it's, I think, and I don't want to insult anybody because I, I Again, again, I just met you guys today. But in my opinion, the only people that are given generic, you know, calorie counting diets are the people that aren't seeing real people. If you see real people in your practice, in your clinic, and you do one-to-one -one consultation with people, you would never do that because you know that it doesn't work. You're, you're jumping way ahead. Yes, I think calories are important. Yes, I think macronutrients are important. But the client consultation, the interview, the investigation, the, the personalized approach is what we need to do. And given blanket statements out there are all well and good to get you know, Instagram followers and sell online programs that are generic, but it's not real life coaching. People in the trenches, in their gyms, in their clinics, dealing with people on a one-to-one -one basis, don't do that because it, it's flawed. It's fundamentally flawed. If someone's metabolism is compromised, all the macronutrients, you know, manipulation, variation, macronutrient waving will do nothing because they're, they're hampered. Their car is flat tires, no engine, putting more or less fuel into it won't get you anywhere. So for me, it's about, it, it, it's an approach I take, but later down the line, I build the metabolism, I, I personalize the approach, and then I refine the caloric intake in conjunction with the macronutrients specific to the digestion and the hormonal analysis. And if you get someone coming to you, Owen, because you know you worked a lot with things like UFC fighters and stuff. So if if they're if you work with an athlete who's like, I've been tracking my food for five years, and they come yeah. in, would you then would you then say, okay, now let's adjust calories oh, for here here? Yeah, 100%. So let's say when Conor was fighting for the Cowboy fight, it was two years in December it was. So w when you have a meal company delivering food, we can change the caloric intake from macros to, w easily based on his training, based on cutting weight, based on increasing more wrestling in the morning, jiu-jitsu at nighttime, more running, more sparring. You can do that. And I do that. My my rugby players, my professional rugby players, my cyclists, my, my military guys, I have it all down. 
But my executive, my solicitor and barrister and lawyer, no, I just need to stop them feeding themselves with cakes mm. and fruit and juices. So it's all about the right tool for the right person. And athletes, this is the thing with athletes, they'll do anything you want. You're not dealing with a rational person. If you get punched in the face for a living, it, it's not really that hard to tell them what to eat. So I think you, you have to suit your tools for people. But de definitely caloric intake, you know, it has to be looked at. But I don't think it's the most important thing initially when someone walks in. I do think we should assess it. But if you don't know where somebody is, I, if you don't know someone's caloric intake, I think it's I think it's unethical to give them a recommendation of what they should. Because mm -hmm. I've got girls that are on very low caloric intake, less than a thousand calories a day. They've done figure competitions. They're their thyroid is all over the place. I'm not telling them they should have 1,600 calories or 1,800 calories based off their Harrison and Benedict equation or, or whatever it is. I have to listen to them, see their food diary, as Harry said, do the investigation, do the questionnaire, and then I can, I can stand and start the journey with them. It may not be where we'll be down the line, but initially giving someone 2,000 calories. And by the way, Homer Simpson is the average person. So <laughs> I wouldn't be listening to McDonald's for anything. So... Yeah. <laughs> Mark, your business, you guys use a little bit of if it fits your macros, a flexible dieting, so forth. Um, so how would you address this if someone came to you and said, hey, Mark, what's my calorie supposed to be? Where do I start? Yeah, no, it's a really good question. And with, with what Owen's saying, like, number one, I'm never offended by this stuff. Number one, if you're helping the person in front of you and it's working effectively and they're getting a positive outcome, they're benefiting from the service, like that's what we need to focus on. It doesn't matter what tool we're using. So differences in approaches, that's totally cool. I'm, I'm cool with like, you know, one of the coolest things about some of the concepts of like intuitive eating coming out that like, you know, take away the objective component and allow people to live healthier lives. Like I'm totally cool with that. I, I think giving people individuals different options and stuff is like what we need to be doing. And if it's improving their overall lives, it's great. Um, I think one of the big misconceptions here is that like, and Owen alluded to this is that the calories absolutely do matter. Like this is the mechanism through which people are changing. That's like the underlying physiological thing, right? Like that's, what's changing. If someone's losing weight over time, it's because they've been in a deficit. That doesn't mean that it's easy to do. It doesn't mean it's easy for them to understand. It doesn't mean it's where you should start in terms of this is all you need to do. Go ahead and do it. Right. Like that part is probably unethical. Um, but with that being said, assessing energy and, and expenditure and getting a bit closer to what people need to be consuming, we can do pretty well on an individual level. And that doesn't mean that you can't take those bite-sized steps to get there to manage it and um, get to a, a place where people are getting a bit closer to doing the things they need to do, seeing the results that they're, they need to be seeing based on calories, which are at the underpinning of what's changing, right? At the end of the day. So, um, the way we like to approach this stuff is like, there's two things going on here. Number one is the structure. That is like the in and out, the calorie balance, the scientific equations, that type of stuff. A lot of times you make a theoretical estimation on someone. If you stopped there, you'd be way off in 99% of cases. We need to do like Harry said, let's do a five day assessment as well. So you can do some journaling, which isn't just for the numbers. It's for you to, it's an awareness to anyone. Any, anytime anyone starts to take a specific look at their own nutrition. They learn a lot more. They're more mindful of their choices. Things start changing. So like part of that is like, we need to take a two pronged approach, use the science, but also say where are they at right now and find some place in the middle to start them off. That makes sense. And then we're just using the thermostat, right? We're just adjusting based on 
are their habits catching up to what they need to be doing, right? And that's the second part. It's like structure and habits. It's great to know all this science. It's great to set yourself up on a budget, but if you're not building the habits to be able to do that within it, um, you're never going to adhere to the things you need to, to actually fit within the structure that gets you a place where you're going. So I like to like, again, I'm probably a little bit in the middle in terms of habit-based stuff, um, making sure that we're meeting the individual where they're at, but still keeping the checks and balances where they need to be um, to get somewhere where they're going. So it's kind of like a little bit in the middle. Mm-hmm. My favorite part was you mentioned bite size approach. Yeah. Kind of. <laughs> is that yeah. one of your, is that one of your lines you use quite frequently? You actually, I think you missed Owen say at the beginning, I don't cram calories down someone's throat. And I'm like, one thing I would add to that, like this is the thing, the client, and again, I agree with what everyone's saying. When you have, when you have young guys coming to you, and young guys for me are between the age of twenty and I say forty. Those people, again, the calorie counting can be will be a lot of the approach to focus on those. But when you get somebody older, when somebody has any dysfunction going on, well, then you need to look at things a bit differently. But the majority of athletes that I have coming to me, that's that's the focus. They haven't they haven't got a good handle of the, the calories. They haven't got a good handle of their macronutrients. They're vitamin deficient. So I'm talking more when I have clients 40 plus, after a few kids, stressed executives, digestive problems and so on. But no, I, I fully agree with the lads. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, very like-minded. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm loving this so far. Yeah, I, think, well, like, I don't know. We could, we literally probably could talk about this stuff for the like the rest of the time because it's like interesting and philosophically makes sense. It's like we just people are going to be attracted to different practitioners they work with, different approaches and stuff. There's no right or wrong here. There's just better or worse for the goal that they're after, what they want to be doing. I have people like, and that's why we screen people as well. I have people that aren't a right fit for my services. And I want to know that as soon as possible. And that doesn't make them bad people. That doesn't make me a bad coach. It just means that I'm going to be able to refer them out to someone that's going to help them more effectively right from the onset. So that's where, you know, Harry talked about, you know, having an extensive screening process. I'm sure he learns tons about where he needs to take them through that process. 17 pages, right, Harry? Yeah. And uh, yes, but the good thing is is that like I think that what we're, we've all kind of said is where's the client starting point? You know, if I have an engineer, I'm probably leaning more towards calories in the start because that's his language. Numbers, structure. Yeah. But if I have a, a business entrepreneur, I'm not selling their calories. I'm just saying, hey, can we just start eating better food? And maybe these are the three restaurants I want you to go eat at instead of these ones, or give me your menu of where you're eating so I can make the choices for you. So you don't have to think because you have to manage 50 people plus your family. I'll give you this. But I find that understanding what they do as an occupation and the language that you use best is actually a good way to coach them because then you're meeting them where they need to. So I think we're all agreeing that where they start, how do we assess? That's where we can start. Each one is going to have our own process, but really the client is going to dictate that starting point of what they're willing to take on and what their starting point is. And then from there, we as coaches have to just protect them from doing knee jerk reactions and doing 50 different diet plans at once and saying, okay, let's just start here. Let's count your macros or let's do whole food based. Let's eat one meal for every 50 pounds. There's different analogies that we as coaches have, but it's understanding the language that's going to work best for that client. And then we build. Mm-hmm. It's interesting from, from a business point of view. I've got a guy over here in Ireland and he's, he's very wealthy. And I, I use this opportunity to train him to ask him for some business advice. And he said to me, he said, Owen, you need to get in front of people that want to hear what you have to say. 
And if clients want to hear what you have to say, they're invested not only in, in the experience and what you can, the results you can get for them, but not only will they pay that, but they're compliant, they're interested. Guys and girls that are not interested in what you have to say, you're always battling with them about certain things. They're not the clients you want. They're the people you send on, on to Chris, refer them on to Chris, and only, only have the clients that, that want to listen to you, that appreciate your time, value your time, and, and, and you know, are invested in the, in the process. But um, definitely get in front of people that value what you have to say and they're willing to, to work with you, the clients you need. So the screening process, how do you think is fundamental for success? We talk about this a lot in the fitness industry. Uh, uh, personal training is adaptability. The best trainers are adaptable. They can have 10 people come in and put on 10 different hats. It sounds like all three of you are saying the exact same thing with nutrition. You have systems you use, but you adapt them to who's in front of you, where they're starting, and then you make a plan based on that. Safe to say, yes? Good. Um, we all mentioned about calories at different points. Now, my question is, and this came in from someone uh, on the IG, they said, is a calorie a calorie? And then they gave examples of certain foods they eat, make them feel a certain way, such as being more satiated and full. And then they eat other foods around the same amount of calories, and they would feel starving a little bit later. So we'll start this one off with, um, we'll go with Harry. Is a calorie a calorie? So whenever I look at food or calories intake, I always say to myself, I tell my clients in the first appointment, every time you eat a food, there is going to be a reaction from that food. It's going to affect your performance. It's going to affect your digestion, your hormones, your immune system, your brain, your body composition, and your sleep. So there is going to be an effect from each food. So yes, a calorie is a calorie, but that calorie will have a different effect on each person. And so I think we have to understand that you know, for example, I'm allergic to eggs. So if I eat eggs, I gain six pounds. Now, is that because I overate my calories that day? Or is that because I'm having an inflammatory response from a food? So when I look at calories, I say to myself, okay, I have to assess what's the client looking to achieve with that calorie. And then I've got to say to myself, what's the food that's going to be best for that goal that they're looking to achieve? So, you know, calories as numbers are yes, I believe in that system. But when I look at the effect of each one of those calories and how we can manipulate the body and the way that it feels, performs, and the way that they're going to be able to feel long-term, I think there is a difference between calories. Love it. Mark? Yeah, no. So like a calorie is, a, is always going to be a calorie on an, an energy basis. Like it's a currency. It's a, it's, it's very much like a dollar is always a dollar. It's, it's one of those things where it, it takes, it's a unit of measurement that we calculate energy from. Right. So when we take a calorie versus a calorie, those are always going to be two different things where we take that calorie from is going to have different metabolic effects on our body. It's going to impact our hormones differently. Like the satiety thing. Yeah. Like, like someone's going to be like, well, when we equate for calories, you're never going to be able to eat the same amount of apples that you would, you know, like liquid sugar, right? Like it's going to be different. There's fiber, right. there's different things. Yeah. Like, so those, those things like come in mind, right. Especially when we start to, you know, differ the macronutrients too. So I think the biggest thing taking a step back is that people always like to use that sort of like kind of argument as like calories don't matter. Right. And they do. It's just that, you know, if I took you on a, like if I looked at your personal finances and set you up on, you know, what you should be doing, we want to take into account how much money you're making, how much are you earning, but we wouldn't just say your mortgage should be all of it or none of it. Right. Like where we actually set up those dollars and where they come from is going to come down to best practices and how it's going to affect your metabolism and all that stuff. So like when we take a step back, like a dollar like of like actual currency has no value, right? It's just exchanging it for value. All this is a unit of measurement, 
right? We don't want to probably go down the the trade and barter rabbit hole, but um, like it just it's it's one of those things. It's just all it is is energy at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. Um, so a calorie is always going to be a calorie. Where we get those calories from over the context of our entire diet for the day is going to have differing ap- ap- impacts on our performance and stuff. Mm-hmm. Owen. Okay, so what, what I'll do is I'll, I'll throw a curveball into the conversation if I can for the fun. My brother, you don't know him, I'm sure you don't, but he looks like Russell Brand. You know who Russell Brand is? Yeah. So he's tall, he's skinny, he's got long hair. So my brother always has this debate with me about milk. He drinks liters of milk, like pints of milk, all right? And I say to him, I said, so Colin, you can't be drinking so much milk. It's not good for you. He's always digested, his skin breaks out. He says, it's better than Coke. I said, no, 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 that, that's not, not the question. I said, you, can't, you shouldn't drink so much milk. Is it better than Coke? I said, yes, it is better than Coke, but it's still not good for you. So sometimes people don't want to hear what you have to say. A calorie is most certainly a calorie. A centimeter is a centimeter. A, a mile is a mile. A kilometer is a kilometer. However, humans, and this is what the core ball is going to be, humans don't consume calories. We don't consume calories. We consume food. And, and calories are a unit of measurement that we came up with. The human body didn't come up with it. So when you, you eat an apple or broccoli, chicken, beef, eggs, it doesn't come in caloric form. It comes in macronutrient form in a certain ratio in vitamins and minerals and fiber and different components of phytonutrients and so on. So it's information to the body. And that you know blend of all the nutrients coming into the body, your metabolism, whether you exercise, whether you did exercise, whether your thyroid is function, whether you're insulin sensitive, whether you've got enough intrinsic factor, whether you've got enough hydrochloric acid, there's so many multitude of variables that have to be taken into consideration that it's oversimplified to say a calorie is a calorie. It most certainly is, it is, but there's a much more dynamic metabolic mechanisms going in in our system to say, well, if I eat only this amount of calories, I'm going to lose weight when there's something else going on in the body. A lot of people that have good metabolisms, they're active, they're sleeping well, a calorie equals a calorie, they lose weight if they're in a deficit. But I've done 20 plus years of coaching people that if they're even in a deficit, if we say it's a deficit from metabolic distress or hormonal dysfunction or whatever it may be is they don't lose weight. So I, I don't, I don't think nutrition can be as simply put as a calorie is a calorie because we don't consume calories. We consume food that has calories in them that we've used as a measurement to simplify it, but it is much more complicated than one in one out. It's, it, it, there's more stuff going on. So when you go down, you want to get all your calories from the McDonald's special on a Friday night. But, uh, probably but just, not going to work. I'll, I'll finish on, on one point if I can without, without laboring the point. This is the thing. Food, real food is real food. This food engineer, food process where we take things in and hydrogenate the fats and we add salt in and we do this. Once you start doing nutritional engineering to make things taste nicer and eat more of them and, and we process it, that's when, you know, caloric intake, you look this sick. Yes, McDonald's is X amount of food, but it's shitty food, mm-hmm. it's shitty process. The information that it gives to your body, the, 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 the stress, the, the, you know, the lipopolysaccharides, the digestive problems, the dysbiosis that it causes, it far reaches just caloric intake. So again, I, I think it's, it's a much bigger picture than just calories in, calorie out. But again, the 20 to 40 with no metabolic problems, yes, it is, it is an approach. I did a uh, I did a restricted diet there for about 90 days and I was only eating certain things and what I found was when I would ingest something of of heightened flavor honey it was specifically honey because I hadn't been eating things like honey or other forms of carbohydrates when I'd put it in that flavor would just like be through the roof 
food tasted so good. And that was one of the first times in my life where I was like, hmm, okay, food is different for individuals at different stages of, of their life and their nutrition, their diet. But man, that honey punched me in the face. It was so good. I felt better off it and I've eaten honey before. It was very interesting that, you know, when you say a calorie is not a calorie, well, it provided a different avenue of currency for me on that specific day when I had restricted it for so long and I threw it back in. But, but, but even there, we go, go ahead. Eddie. I, I was just going to chime in. That's actually a very common comment that I get from my clients that they said that when they first walked through our door, McDonald's was delicious. Then they would eat a strawberry. They'd be looking for that next kick because the strawberry wasn't sweet enough. Two months later, they're eating strawberries and they're like, this is delicious. Then they eat the McDonald's. They took two bites and like, this is disgusting. Boom. I think that there's something to be said about returning your palate back to basic food. And then when you do eat a pineapple or a mango, you're like, wow, this is very intense flavor. And I think that's a good point that, uh, you know, when you start to look at how to retrain a client to want good food and lower inflammation is returning their palate back to basics. So we can actually, we can change our taste buds over time. Is that what you're saying? That's what I've seen in my office. Most people will say to me as they clean up their diet and they eliminate, I call it hijacking palate foods, right? By turning on all those signals. When they go back to just eating like vegetables and rice and potatoes and using natural spices that when they go back to their old diet of what they ate before they came through our door, they always say it doesn't taste as good and they don't like the flavor profile of anymore. They would rather go home and eat strawberries with honey and like dark chocolate versus their mcdonald's mcflurry that they used to eat two months ago mm -hmm. that's a very common thing that i see in my office palate is now enhanced with natural food versus the hijacked food because mm -hmm. you can grab a big mac and you can get um, carbs fats and protein out of one bite you know salt yeah. in there as well engineered things like you were saying uh there's not many foods in nature readily available that are carbs fats and protein in one bite is there actually it's funny dr serrano he's He's a good friend of mine. He comes out with some holy things every now and again. I'm not that religious, so I'm not going to get on that line. But what he says is, in nature, you'll never see protein uh, without a fat. So you'll always see protein with a fat. Now, technically, if you look at any food, there'll be a little bit of, like, rice will have a bit of protein, fat, and carbon, a minute amount. But again, a substantial amount of protein, fat, and carbon, I don't know if there is a food that has them all in them. Maybe eat, if you eat the eggshell, with the egg, maybe you'll get that. Harry, you don't do that. You'll, you'll blow up to a balloon or something, I don't know. Um, but one thing you said there, Chris, that I want to touch upon, we all know now about the COVID going on and situations like that. And one of my big uh, interests is physical examinations of nutritional deficiencies. And we know when people have low levels of zinc, their smell and their taste goes. So when you start to eat more nutrient-dense foods, your body can sense the food that it's eating much more. And we have cells in our body called the enteroendocrine cells that give you feedback from our gut saying, we're full, we're happy. This is good nutrient-dense food. I did a bit of study with Deepak Chopra from an Ayurvedic medicine point of view. And their point of view would be, people eat food that is void of, of vitamins and minerals more because the body knows it hasn't got them in it. So when you eat McDonald's, there's shit in it. You're not getting vitamins and minerals, hence why you would eat more of it. Now, we don't know whether we're that attuned to, you know, tasting vitamins and minerals in our mouth when we consume. But when we eat real, real food that ran around the field, that swam, it's more nutrient dense. It's better for the digestive system. It's not obviously overly sweet. And when we eat like that and we get a nutrient status up, I think we're more receptive and sensitive to these bitter tastes and sweet tastes in real food. Mm -hmm. And we steer away from the processed crap. Our mm -hmm. body doesn't want it.
One question that came in, uh, someone was saying there's so much different information out there with nutrition. It used to be very simple, you know, 30 years ago. It's like if you eat junk food, you'll look like you eat junk food. If you don't, you won't. But there's so much different information out there now. So someone was asking me to ask you three fellas, how could the average person determine if it's good science, factual nutritional fact versus not? Mark, would you would you handle this one first? I think, well, just from like kind of like the the BS detector and stuff, you always want to look at like what the claims of something are saying in terms of like what it's supposed to be doing for you. Anything that anything that sounds like it's too big, too good to be true in a lot of cases is. And that's one of the probably like the big like going outside of like, is the person giving it credible? Is that kind of stuff like if something's claiming to be completely groundbreaking, it probably it probably isn't. Um, would be one of my like just I got I gave this question some thought and I thought you know you know there's a bunch of credible people giving good quality information and the one common thing about you know most of that stuff is that they don't they're not going to promise you something that isn't true so I think the first thing to look at is like what are they claiming um, is going to happen from this protocol or approach or anything like that Mm -hmm. awesome Harry Uh, the way I kind of approached it is I did it very simple. I, I mean, I don't come from a theory-based, science-based evidence kind of background. What I just started doing when I owned my health food store was I just read 10 books, maybe went to five seminars and wrote down what are the top three points from those books that they wanted to reiterate? What are the top three things I learned from the seminar? Put them all on a sheet. And so I had, let's say, 10 resources, 30 things written down. 20 of them were the same. 20 of those points were exactly the same of like eat protein, eat vegetables, drink water, take magnesium as an example. That was a takeaway from that. So I said, well, those things based on, and I'm talking, I would see women expert, a vegan book. Like I I just would take any resource and read it. And I just said, well, these 20 things are probably things I need to do every day because it doesn't matter the background of that person who wrote it. That was the common theme that came up. So that's kind Mm -hmm. of how I've always approached my nutrition and my practice with my clients and say, if you read any book on nutrition, these 10 things are probably going to come up. So we better kind of figure out how to master those things first before we worry about all of the nuances. Mm-hmm. Love so that's it. kind of, I've, that's kind of, I've, I've navigated the BS. I've no, I've noticed that myself over the years reading the books. I was like, it's the same. Okay. Here's the same thing. It's the same thing. <laughs> it's going over and over. Owen. Yeah, so this is the thing. When you say um, people get confused with the amount of information out there when it comes to nutrition. No, they don't. What they're doing is they're seeing marketing from people online that they want to sensationalize carnivore diet or keto diet or pegan diet or the paleo diet or whatever it may be. Is People are being subjected to information by people that aren't seeing real people. I have guys coming to me on ketogenic diets that have no gallbladders. If you have no gallbladder, I know you're laughing, Chris, but this is honestly God, this is what I get people coming in. I get people coming in that are forcing themselves to have two kilos of meat a day and they haven't had a shit in a month. Like it, 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 it's beyond belief what people are doing. So when I when people see are pushing, you know, agendas or dietary agendas out there, I do think that some of them have, you know, have got a good experience in it for themselves in the past. I don't think following a diet for yourself gives you the authority to write a book and proclaim this is what everyone else should do. Again, if you're a, if you're a, a, a diligent professional and you have a client come into you, you have blood work, you assess them, you do a food diary, you're building a diet based on the principles that suit that person in front of you. But unfortunately, that's not going to sell millions of books. That's not going to sensationalize stuff on the internet. So for me, 
it is confusing for people. It is super confusing for people out there to know what to do. But if a light comes up in my car, the first thing I do is I, I check YouTube to see what the light is for. But I'm not going to get in there. I'm thinking of buying a Tesla at the moment. So I'm not going to get into a Tesla and start messing around with it. I'm going to bring it to something that I know that's going to fix it. I think, I think unfortunately, if, if you have a sore tooth or if you've got a, you got a pain in your willy or something like that, you're going to go to someone, not the dentist, for your willy problem. Go to the Hopefully not. That. But... but if you have a problem, you're going to go to an expert in that field. And I think for some reason, the general population feel that nutrition and exercise is something that they can just watch online and do it themselves. Mm-hmm. And, and that, that takes away from the credibility and the training and the professionalism of people in the field that know what they're doing. And as you said, we need to be chameleons. We need to wear different hats to, to, uh, to address people. And whether you've got a, med- a, a medical issue a digestive issue, what age you are, what goal you are, that's the nutrition for you. And if these same people were to go to a physician, go to someone that's qualified in the field of nutrition and get a plan, it wouldn't have changed dramatically as much as the sensational marketing has. It wouldn't have. We might change how much fiber we eat maybe, or maybe we might change, do a little bit intermittent fasting maybe because some research, good research on that coming out. We might do certain things, maybe go more gluten-free than we used to a few years ago. But I don't think it would have changed, as Harry said, that much. And when I read these nutrition books, I I pride myself on reading as many books as I can. And what I see in these books is the differences from book to book, because 80% of the book, they're generally agreeing with themselves and 20% are small part, they go off a little bit differently. And that's what I'll investigate. Well, why are they doing it this way and not this way? And ultimately, if the the guy or girl has seen a lot of people, they say it's all patient dependent. It should be a patient personalized approach all the time that's that's my driving force all the time so generalizations are good for followers they're not good to get results in in clinical practice mm-hmm. too good to be true probably is you know it's about the common things are always going to be the common things and it's got to be patient dependent that's what i got from you three there just as we end and, and, and fix your willy and fix your tooth yeah but make sure you go to the right person for the willy and the tooth So just as we end up here, because I'm very respectful of everyone's time today, someone comes in, they're like, I just want to be healthy. You're only allowed to give them one or two quick tips. What would you give them? Harry, why don't you go first? One to two quick tips. I want to be healthy with nutrition. Make more food from home as much as you can. And enjoy your food that you're eating that you are making from home by putting more research and development in the kitchen by getting the right tools the right spices, the right knives, the right pans. So you can actually enjoy cooking because the more you can make from scratch and the more you can make from home will take care of a lot of the little things that people are looking at, like the nuances of like calorie counting. If I make all my food from home, I probably will lose hundred calories a day just from stuff I didn't know what was in if I bought it at a store. Mm-hmm. And then if I look at inflammation, I say, if you make all of your food from home, and let's say you ate steak and broccoli and you feel gassy. Well, you only got two things to choose from, right? When I look at how do I feel after that meal? Do I feel more energized? Do I feel weaker? I'll know right away. So the more you can make from home, the more food you can just understand and enjoy. I think that's probably the best thing I would say to anybody. Make more food from home. Love that. And I appreciate your time. And I know you need to run to your next client. So uh, feel free to log off. Thank you so much, Harry. We'll be Thank in you, touch Chris. in the future. Thank you very guys. Great talking with you. And I appreciate you uh, inviting us on, especially during these times and getting good conversation with people who are what I call battle tested, who actually are working with people because I find there's a lot of theory out there, but when you have people who are actually working with thousands of people, it's, it's a different type of voice that you're hearing and it's refreshing because 
we're all on the same page. And then when you go on Instagram, you're like, what was this? I don't even know what this is anymore. So yeah. thank you for putting this together and I appreciate all of your time. And I thank you very much for having me on, Chris. 100%. Thank you, Harry. All right, guys. Yeah, Harry, enjoy your day. Okay, no, bye-bye. Nice to meet you, Harry. Take care. Right, nice to you guys. Bye-bye. See ya. We'll just, we'll just end it with you two guys, the exact same question as well. So Mark, if someone comes into you and they say, hey, what's one thing I can do for my nutrition, uh, one or two things, what would be your big go-to that you would suggest someone start with or use? I would say eat at least 15 to 20 grams of protein at each, each meal every time you eat. And one thing, I'm going to paraphrase it. I don't know where I got it from, but it kind of builds on what Harry was saying. You can eat absolutely whatever you want and whatever amount you want it but you have to make it yourself. And if you did that, you'd probably be in a completely different scenario. You're not going to eat cookies, cakes, and you know, like a bunch of different things if you have to make it yourself. Yeah. So, you ever, you ever make ice cream? That ain't easy. <laughs> oh, it isn't. It isn't. It isn't. And that's not to say that like, you know, uh, better or worse foods. It's just like, literally, if you had to do that, you'd be in a completely different scenario. So kind of just building off that, like the more you can take control and cook your own food and not to say eating out is bad, but if you did that, you'd probably be in a pretty good place. Phenomenal. Oh, and one to two, what would you give someone? Okay. So again, I'm going to echo what the other guys have mentioned, but what the biggest issue that I have is that people like to outsource their nutrition. They, they open their fridge door and go, Ooh, I'm not going to have our dinner. I never seen a fridge walk down a shopping aisle. I never seen a fridge go shopping. So when you cook your own food, in at home, it means you have to have gone out, you have to approach the food, you have to have it in the house. You need to make a conscious decision that you're going to eat that food. Where a lot of people are making unconscious decisions and eating on the go. And that just doesn't fly for me. If you want optimal health, if you want vitality, you want fertility, you want flexibility, you want to be good body composition, you need to make conscious decisions three times a day on what meals you're going to eat. And that's just, that's simply put, we have three meals a day, seven days a week, you need to commit to 21 meals that are, are coherent and compliant with what your end goal is going to be. And the last thing I would say is people need to sleep more. Bad sleep relates to bad food decisions, bad digestion, irregular circadian systems that goes off the track. Make decisions on your food and stick with it. And the same thing, you stick with your sleep so you can optimize the nutrition. I love the approaches and all three of you are experts in your field in different variations, but there's a lot of commonality between you. And my biggest takeaway today from you three is it's an individual approach and you got to look at the person you're talking to, look at the person you're working with. And I think that anyone who is looking for nutritional coaching, guidance, counseling, they want to look to a professional like you three here because you guys provide so much information. If we tracked how many people you've influenced or worked with, including coaches you've coached, who's coaches other people, we're, we're easily in the tens, maybe close to hundreds of thousands of people. Now that is quite the database. I appreciate you guys coming on today um, in these tough times. Um, I'll just end this right now with a quote from the great philosopher, Miss Piggy. Do not eat more than you can lift. And I think that's a, that's an approach I would take moving forward to keep my body composition uh, in control. So thanks so you much for being a, on. You, you can lift a lot of weight though, Chris. That's a lot of food for you. <laughs> but not more. <laughs> yeah. Thanks so much for being on, boys. No problem. Thank you. Nice to meet you guys. Never stop learning because life never stops teaching. If you've learned at least one thing from this podcast and your mission is to help other people, please share this podcast with them. And a reminder... 
we will be releasing one episode every Monday for the entire year. So make sure to hit subscribe so you get the updated information as soon as possible. Today is the first day of the rest of your life. And thank you so much for allowing me to be part of it.